Hey there. Happy Halloween. Yeah, can you believe it? It's Halloween already. Not sure if you've got your costume on. I do right now. I am going to pretend that I am a host of a real estate talk show called Simply Real Estate. That's right. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting show. I've got my two panelists that join me every single month. Uh, Greg Bennell from B&M Bloomberg, Tim Sirianos from Remax Ultimate, and it is the Real Estate Talk Triangle. Uh, always going to be a great conversation with these two. So you want to stay t- stay tuned for the entire show. Um, you know, we talk about virtually everything. And I think this week we're going to have a lot to talk about because of a lot of developments in the market. We're going to talk about interest rates. Bank of Canada announcement, uh, you know, Tiff Macklin, he turned around and I think he threw a little bit of cold water on everybody's anticipation of leaving the interest rates where they are. And uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that during my rant because I do want to talk about the lending situation that is going on right now and what people have to be mindful when you're going out to buy real estate and, you know, all sorts of different things. Of course, lots of lots of topics in the news, you know, kids getting into staged houses and partying and realtors walking in and catching them, that kind of thing. You know, money being spent by the parents to help the kids, you know, get their first property. A lot of this stuff is kind of a rinse, repeat. Uh, maybe not so much the kids partying in the, the, you know, house for sale. But, you know, we do know right now that there is a great deal of money being spent into buying properties and helping kids out. Um, by the way, speaking of helping people out, I, I just want to thank everybody for tuning into my webinar on Thursday at 7 p.m. And if you want, you can go to simpleinvestor.com and click on our YouTube channel so you can catch what uh, what I was talking about. But I was talking a fair bit about the finance aspect of investment real estate. And you don't really, when we hear people saying that they own multiple properties, how are they doing it? You know, where are the bank limitations? And this was something I really, you know, tried to dive into during my webinar because I think it's important that everybody that's looking at investment real estate as a future, you know, trying to create some generational wealth, perhaps, you really need to drill down and figure out how it gets done. So you go to thesimpleinvestor.com. You can check it out. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, thesimpleinvestor1. But, you know, normally I start off with a huge rant uh, about what is going on in the world of real estate or something I've just picked up in the news that, you know, really pissed me off. Um, not a whole lot this week. It, it, it's actually been a little bit flat. You know, of course, the Trudeau government decided to, you know, try to pretend that they're going to do something about housing. But we know that's going to fall flat like everything else they do as far as housing goes. In fact, the government's never going to figure that one out. And uh, the one thing that I think we have to be mindful of right now, and you're going to have to start taking a look at your existing mortgages is some upward pressure and depending on when you renewed your mortgage when the term's coming due you know this is something that you should start calculating so this week the bank of canada announced that they would be potentially looking at increasing the interest rates as of april 2022 you know they've been kind of steadfast saying that they were thinking maybe third quarter 2022 you know in the earlier days they thought 2023 now we're coming backwards why inflation why lack of supply huge demand you know there's all sorts of reasons why the bank of canada moves rates and when we see fluctuation inflation is one of them but you know, before we start screaming, the sky is falling, I believe that we do have some people in place that aren't going to pretend it's the wild, wild west 
and start cranking month after month increases in the actual bank rate. So the reason why I say that is they're going to probably just stick their, stick their toe in the market to find out you know, what you will accept, what happens, the repercussions. So that quarter point is probably going to be the first hike that we're going to see. Now, that may stay in place for give or take about three months, maybe two, but definitely not one. And what will end up happening is that they're going to gauge on how we react to it. So I don't know if they're doing the timing on purpose because come April, that's the height of the spring real estate market. So are they going to try to soften the real estate market? Like, is this, is this going on behind the doors? Like, how much planning are they actually doing to see if they can gauge some extra control over the real estate market? Because here's the thing, everybody keeps complaining. Multiple offers this, prices are too much, you know, we can't afford this. So is this actually another way for them to gain some control over the marketplace? Now, we've always known that interest rates could not stay as low as they are. You know, it's been it's been a while that they've been this low. You know, they were put in, obviously, as an emergency measure to protect the economy. So there's nobody that can turn around really and say, yeah, but this should be the norm. We will see upward pressure, but is the timing off? Is it is it just because of inflation? Because, you know, they did say they were going to let inflation run for a little while before they decide to put the pressure on it. So out of all out of nowhere, you know, they start swinging and saying inflation is going to run away. So we better do this. So it'll be interesting to see how this is received. So for yourselves, this is where I start thinking to myself, okay, so what kind of advice can I give you on the mortgage area? Now, this is normally where I would bring uh, Dave Butler from BM Select in, but you know, having these conversations and, and being very open about it, it's, it's going to be your comfort level. So there are two styles of mortgages typically. One is what they call a variable rate mortgage which goes with the Bank of Canada rate. And then you've got your fixed rate mortgage, which is more based on the bond market. So normally the variable rate uh, is going to be lower than the fixed rate. So this has been historically the same. So when we take a look at the numbers, you know, you can get typically a variable rate today, let's call it 1.75, and maybe your fixed rate is gonna be about 2.5, 2.75 in that range. So there is a differential between the two. Now, a lot of people like to go to the variable because they feel even if rates go up, over time, you're still going to save more money. So when rates go down, you're saving. When you go up, now, there are those people that like to lock in a rate. So they feel comfortable for the next five years. They know exactly what their mortgage payment is. So the question is, what are you? Are you a variable or are you a fixed rate mortgage person? Well, when we start hearing about upward pressure on interest rates, a lot of times people that are in variable rate mortgages will then turn around and lock it in. And so locking it in means that you flip it to a fixed rate mortgage and now you can run a term on your fixed rate mortgage. So we've always said here, and, and whenever I have Dave on, we talk about you know running the variable for a while. And if we think there's gonna be a lot of upward pressure, that's when you're gonna lock it in. So you're really getting the best of both worlds. So. This is something that you may want to take a look. Take a look at the term of your mortgage right now. And again, I'm not always talking about investment real estate. I'm talking about your primary residence. That's normally the one that you have the biggest mortgage on. So take a look at it, figure out when your term is, reach out to your lender, and perhaps you're going to want to renegotiate your rate a little bit earlier, you know, in the, in the idea that we are going to see some upward pressure. So these are the kind of things that I think people need to focus on because all of a sudden, you know, if the rate jumps up and everybody says, oh, you know, I missed the boat, you know, I didn't focus on it. 
So do you actually know, and this is the one thing, do you know how many months or how many years are left on your mortgage? You know, there's the term and then there's the amortization, right? So the term is when you lock it in for a certain period of time. So you could have a three-year mortgage or a five-year term mortgage, or then you take a look at the amortization. That is the length of time that takes you to pay off the entire debt if you do not do a refinance or you do anything else to the mortgage. So these are the things that you need to look at and say to yourself, okay, so where do I benefit if I'm going to, you know, play around with my mortgage here in your primary residence or your investment property? So when we talk about investment properties and we talk about mortgages, it's very key. And I've always said, try to keep you know, it at kind of a break-even level. I, I'm not a big fan of negative cash flow. Uh, too much positive cash flow, you're going to be paying too many taxes. So you know, we obviously want to focus on mortgage pay down when you talk about investment properties as well as you do your primary residence. So if we take a look at the big picture, this is going to be probably a very busy six to eight months I think for a lot of the lenders, because there are more people that are going to be focusing on what they should do in the future. And that's what you should do. You should reach out to your lender, to your broker, whomever it is, and find out where you sit and what they anticipate as, let's say, your new rate if you were to change. Now, if you're going to be breaking a mortgage that is, call it two or three years old, and it's the three-year-old ones that are going to probably cost you the most, maybe two years you know, before the pandemic, before interest rates dropped, if you took a mortgage back in 2019, chances are you're going to have a higher interest rate. If you're going to break it, you're going to pay a penalty on that. And now you need to calculate out, okay, if I pay, let's say, a $5,000 penalty to break this mortgage, is my new mortgage going to put me that much further ahead? And this is the kind of stuff that you should be doing and thinking about now because, you know, you're going to have about a six-month window before we see that upward pressure. So if it's an investment property or your primary residence, you know what? I'm going to tell you, get your ducks in a row. I think it's going to be really important. Now, when I take a look at what's going on in the market each week, of course, you know, we do continue to hear about multiple offers and they're starting to talk more about the blind bidding and how they want to change it. You know, I still say good luck with that. You know, a lot of people are talking about the auction style uh, for, for doing properties. I think that's going to create more pressure on an actual bid. And I think potentially it's going to force the values up even more. You know, you look at, look across the room, you see somebody, you look them in the eye and say, no, I'm going to get this house. That's right. Don't mess with me. You know, and all of a sudden you're going to have people going against people. It's no longer about the house. It's who's going to win and who, you know, who blinks first. So I think that that style of offer system is not going to be beneficial to the people, especially to bring down the price. And this is the thing. How do you get ahead of a runaway market? Easy. Get more inventory. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. We know that. The government is lost, uh, lost the battle here. They have no idea what they're talking about. And so it's the only way we're going to get ahead of the curve there is by focusing more on the private industry, getting more building permits, you know, getting more inventory, getting more trades. You know, there's a lot of things that we have to do to be able to control this real estate market. The one and only one that could continue to like put more pressure, of course, will be interest rates. And, you know, we'll keep an eye on it because if we start seeing a lot of upward pressure, you know what? We will see the market soften up a little. Will prices adjust? Probably not. So if you're counting on your prices going down because interest rates go up, I wouldn't bet on it because we're still going to have that lack of inventory, which is going to continue to dictate the market. If you want to follow me, by the way, you can follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor One. Um, if we, we still have a few units left in one of our uh, releases uh, in London, we've got uh, a couple of two bedrooms, a couple of one bedrooms. 
uh, great price, $269.9, $289.9. To find out more, go to the simpleinvestor.com. You can find out more about our latest release and product that's out there for you to, to, uh, to own. And you know what? You don't have to worry about a tenant. Uh, hands-free, guaranteed rent every single month, and you do not have to worry about any repairs. So coming up after the break, we've got our Real Estate Talk Triangle. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, it is that time a month again. Yep, it's time for the Real Estate Talk Triangle. And my panelists joining me as they do every single month. I've got Greg Bennell. He is an anchor at BM Bloomberg, focusing on the economy and real estate in Canada. And I've got Tim Sirianos. He is broker owner of Remax Ultimate. He's actually the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. And just for these gentlemen's sake, I'll make sure that everybody knows their opinion stated here is just their opinion and their opinion only and not of their affiliation. So anyways, guys, welcome back to the panel. Great to be back. This happened since last time. Lots. It sure has. <laughs> in, 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 in fact, I, I, I feel a little jealous. I feel like I've been left out of the travel to Ottawa. I understand the two of you were in Ottawa this week. Greg, you were there watching the Bank of Canada make some commitments. Tim, of course, with Korea, you were listening to what is going to happen with the Real Estate Association. So, Greg, I'm going to start off with you because um, it is it is something that I think all of our listeners need to learn a little bit about when we talk about the interest rates and what the Bank of Canada and Tiff Macklin's doing. It was a pretty mon- monumental meeting. I mean, sometimes these things can be a dud, right? But now you have the Bank of Canada, and I think it's starting to fall in line with other global central banks trying to figure out, okay, how do we work our way out of this? We are not out of the pandemic, but we're far removed from the crisis. So why do we still have crisis level programs in place and cheap rates? They're trying to like lay that groundwork. And the double whammy for me was a warning for Canadian households that inflation is going to get worse before it gets better. And you might be facing higher borrowing costs earlier than expected. The bank put as early as April in play. We've been talking so much about, oh, it's the second half of 2022 story, right? Next year. And now the bank is saying, we're live anywhere between April and September of next year for the first rate hike. And after they said that, then the markets started pricing in March, started pricing in the chance of a January rate hike. So things are changing pretty quick in terms of the future cost of borrowing. Of course, things can still get derailed, but you do get a sense that this is a central bank now that wants to find a way out of these record low borrowing costs. And of course, that's going to have implications across not only the financial markets, which it did immediately, the five-year yield spike, the two-year yield spike, but obviously for Canadians, right? We're carrying a lot of debt. The the housing market, how dependent, I mean, this will be fruitful ground with you gentlemen today, how dependent is it on these record low borrowing costs? Before I I end my rant here. I'll say only one more thing. Uh, Derek Holt, Scotiabank economist, was on with us several days before the Bank of Canada. He sees eight rate hikes from the Bank of Canada before the end of 2023, starting next year as well. So it seems like the, the, the game is changing on us. Well, Greg, I'm glad you brought up the, the number of rate hikes, because first and foremost, you know, so everybody understands, if the Bank of Canada is going to be raising the rate, are we doing just a quarter point? Is this going to be a test measure? Like, is this... Or are they going to be absolutely, you know, adamant about, you know, aggressively, you know, following it, uh, you know, month after month? The bet is quarter points each time, but the market thinks we're going to get four quarter point rate hikes next year. So a full 100 basis points and then another four the year after that until that takes us into 2023. So by the time you're done, 
you're up 200 basis points, but it is going to happen in those increments, right? I think the bank still has to be careful that it doesn't make a mistake here because the whole point about the cheap money in the end, even though we, we have enjoyed it as people who borrow money for various reasons, is to support the economy. If you raise the rates too fast, you choke off the recovery. We had a, we had a guest on during the week who basically said, send your central bank with some flowers because they are entering dangerous territory and it's got to be their worst nightmare to, to pull the trigger, pull that lever too hard. And then you've just undone all of the progress of the past 18 months trying to get out of this thing. So Tim, you know, listening to Greg uh, talk about the the interest rates, you know, as a, as a broker owner in the real estate business, you've got hundreds of agents working for you, representing thousands of clients. What do you think they're thinking right now? Well, um, I, I want to say that uh, I just want to go back into history and think about when I started over 32 years ago. And with anything like this that I hear, I always think that overshooting and panicking is the biggest trigger to a problem, right? So the one thing that we want to hope is that, you know, they don't overshoot and panic. And secondly, I just want to remind everybody that interest rates rising are not the enemy. Rapidly rising interest rates are the enemy. You know, baby steps, you know, having a quarter point every three or four months, um, you know, in those and then measuring what impact it makes will not cause a problem to the housing market. As a matter of fact, we are at record lows. We've got to remind ourselves where we are and where we were before the pandemic actually started. So I personally uh, believe that as long as, it, as they take baby steps, uh, and every single time they do have a rate increase, they evaluate and see what impact it's made. Um, it, it'll be completely okay. So Greg, Tim makes a good point there, but I'm I'm curious about, you know, and this is for our clarification for our listeners, is the fact that the Bank of Canada reflects more of the variable rate where the bond market reflects the, the you know, more of a fixed rate. So do you think we're going to see a lot of upward pressure on the fixed rate? Because this is this is one of the things that a lot of the lenders have a little bit more leeway. They play with the fixed rates. You know, they'll discount a little bit deeper. Do you think that we're going to see, as we did a few years ago, the idea of going with a fixed rate, you know, surpassing the, the variable rate? Yeah, it will be interesting, right? Because, I mean, the variable, if the Bank of Canada does pull the trigger in April, of course, then the banks move along with Prime and that hits your variable. Uh, but the transmission more immediately, in a funny way, does become the fixed rates if the banks take a look at what's happening in the bond market. As I said, those yields really spiked pretty hard. The five-year yield jumped, the two-year yield, five-year yields, of course, where the banks are you know, sourcing their funding for their fixed mortgages. We've seen the big banks already sort of start to creep a little bit higher. But you're right. I mean, they have that power themselves to say, how fat do we want our margins to be? How much of that do we want to eat in terms of being competitive? We've seen it in the past, right, where the banks started going after market share and saying, even though you know our source of funding is this out there based on the bond market, we're going to get a little competitive heading the season, offer lower mortgages. They do have that power. But it's interesting that through all of this, when we talk about the Bank of Canada having that effect on you know their own prime, the bank primes, and then variable, that's not going to happen until next year, right? Until April, we all have already seen the moves in the bond market. The bond market is getting ready uh, for central banks trying to find their way out of this. So it should be interesting. And I think we probably could see, and we've already seen it in recent weeks, right? Some of the big banks just, just creep a little bit higher on those fixed mortgage rates. But as Tim said, you're talking about off levels that were so ridiculously low. If you had told me 15 years ago, this is what my mortgage 
rate would be at this point in my life, you'd say like, in what fantasy world are you living in in 2021? So I need to ask sorry. a question, Tim. So yeah. one, of, one of the things that I, I think we need to know is, are we going to see the real estate market now heat up for the next six months? Because, you know, people can get in, get in at the lower rate. You know, are we going to see, going through the, the Christmas season and into the new year? Do you think we're going to see some more heat to the real estate market? Well, what's really interesting is where we've been in the past three or four weeks. Typically, the fall market is a second busiest market of, of any year. Uh, the spring market is by far the most active. And considering we've had such a lack of supply, like we are, you know, still in many areas of the of the greater Toronto area under under a month of supply and in, in, in some neighborhoods as, as little as, you know, two and three weeks supply. Yet we haven't seen the prices push up to where they were in the spring. I believe that, you know, we have already hit that ceiling. There is a moderation in the marketplace. There are still multiples, but not the same way they were in the spring. Um, so, you know, will, will the market heat up? We may see more activity, but I don't, I don't foresee prices pushing up the way they have in the past. Well, you know, I, I, I do understand, but don't you think it'd be a little bit of a mad rush because people are saying, well, I got to go in with the affordable rate and that would, they would turn around and maybe put a little bit more pressure. Could be first time home buyers saying, I got to keep with the affordability. Yeah. So I've been watching the actual um, mortgage rates even before, you know, the meetings that Greg has, you know, attended and um, they have been creeping up slowly. Um, and, but what we have been seeing a lot of people doing is going more towards the variable rate and not locking into those longer terms. Right. So, um, is there, is there a rush right now? We, we haven't experienced a greater rush and I don't believe that there will be because of where prices are right now. Um, so, I mean, there'll always be people hopping in for the variable rate and there are people who are, what I think is people who are already in the market right now, who are on variable, who are hearing these news from the Bank of Canada are going to probably look at these rates and say, okay, maybe I should lock in right now, go for a three-year, four-year, five-year fixed rate before they creep up even more, the people who are already in the market. I, I'm just not seeing the same activity we did in the springtime, generally across the whole market. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good point. Um, so gentlemen, I'm going to have you stay put. We're going to go to a quick break, but uh, folks, when we come back, I've got more with my panelists from the Real Estate Talk Track and Greg Bennell and Tim Serianos. And hey, hey, don't forget... Follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor One. I'll try to keep you up to date each week on what's going on in the marketplace. And uh, I also just want to thank everybody for uh, joining me during our Simple Real Estate Investment Webinar on Thursday night. Uh, great uh, showing, even though it's just on a camera and all. But um, when we come back, we'll have more. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my panelists this hour, Greg Bennell, Tim Serianos, they're part of my real estate talk triangle. We do it every single month. And, uh, you know, being Halloween, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I don't know how many people are going to be out there. Guys, what do you think? Are we going to see a lot of trick-or-treaters out there? There's been a lot of stuff going on in the news. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's the candy decision, right? <laughs> how many people are going to hit the streets? And so how much, how much ammunition do you need? Yeah, well, Tim, we were, I don't, we were, I don't know if you're, are your, are your kids still the age, Tim, of uh, going out or are they a little older? Well, I mean, I got I, my older two now being late teens and approaching 20. They're more into, oh, there's a Halloween party. Can I go? Can I go? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if you'd be going quite yet, right? My young one, you know, she's just uh, turning 11. Actually, you know, just turned 11. Um, she's going to be going hitting the streets. So either myself or my wife would be walking with her. Yeah, there you go. Well, it'll be interesting because, you know, it's it's funny that uh, 
people have been talking about it and they actually said about 50% of people are saying no. And so we'll, we'll wait and see. It might be interesting and, and, you know, we can talk about it the next time. But Tim, uh, talk about some things about houses. And I, you know, <laughs> we traded a little bit of, uh, a little bit of, I guess, just over this group of teens caught partying in a Toronto home listed for sale. Um, you know, maybe you can give us a little bit of insight on something like this when it happens. Well, I, I have no idea how somebody can have the courage to, and how, how they gained access. I guess it must have been a pure break and enter. And the poor realtor who actually was surprised to have them in there and the poor, I mean, most importantly, the poor owners, you know, who have this home, you know, beautifully, beautifully staged, you know, uh, showing it to uh, potential buyers and to come home to, to that kind of a mess. I mean, this is, I mean, I, I cease to be ama- surprised, you know, and again, 32 years. This is the actual first time I ever heard of anything like this happening. Right. And it's it's kind of funny because, um, you know, when the realtor went in and, and did the yell of hello and then all of a sudden somebody jumped out from the living room and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden they, all these kids are there. Um, it, it's, it's interesting that, you know, either, you know, I don't think any of them were realtors. They didn't have access to the property. Like oh, you no. said, you know, maybe a pure break and enter. You know, it's one of those things, though, that when people have their houses for sale, and maybe you can enlighten us a little bit on the safety measures that are in place when people are showing homes, because, you know, once upon a time, there used to be the lockboxes where, you know, you, they, they would just, you know, you would call and they'd give you the lockbox code. Now there's a lot more process to it. Can you explain it to us? Oh, absolutely. Um, so what, what typically happens is now, especially post-pandemic or, or during these times where technology was utilized even more, um, every single appointment that's booked is booked electronically and timestamped. And the software programs we have actually verify that the realtor is actually in good standing and licensed with the actual firm they're with. Once they go through that process, then they're provided with an electronic code that expires after they use it. The vast majority of realtors use electronic lockboxes now. The old ones, you know, the little spin wheels that uh, used to be out there, they're not used anymore. And if they are, they're not used, you know, very, very rarely used. Um, so everything is done electronically. That's what leads me to believe that this was a clear break and enter because every single appointment is verified and timestamped, both in many cases, um, not just uh, with software, but the human touch by contacting the listing, um, you know, the, the actual uh, brokerage, which has a property for sale and verifies all the information. I'm waiting for the lockboxes with a retina scan, you know, um, that, that might work in the future. Greg, another story that uh, came up and I thought for sure this has got to be right up your alley. PM Trudeau creates new cabinet position to tackle housing issues. Um, I'm not sure the Prime Minister knows what the housing issues are. I'm not sure you can create a cabinet if you don't know what you're talking about. After all the promises on the campaign trail, I'm not surprised that they did make that move in the sense that you just couldn't say, oh, well, what, what have we talked about housing and affordability during the campaign? I was so August and September, I don't remember anymore. So yeah, but it, it comes down to the same old argument that in the discussion we had even during the campaign, what is it exactly that Ottawa can do about this other than work, well, obviously with the various levels of government, work with the development industry. I mean, there's a certain levers they can pull, but they're not sort of the ones at the heart of the housing matter, right? I mean, you get down to 
if you want to build, if you want to look at zoning, you want to look at all those kind of conditions that are going to change the natures of big cities and try to bring more affordability, try to bring more density. It's not going to be coming from the federal cabinet. So, I mean, there there are some discussions perhaps they could broker. They, they had talked about, okay, we'll free up some you know, federal property. And I mean, throwing that into the mix would definitely help. But you're thinking about the fact that basically, if you're going to take on this role, then you're probably talking about setting up meetings with municipalities, with builders, hearing them out and saying, okay, what are we going to do actually on the ground, right? Because in the end, if you want supply, someone's got to build the house and it's probably not going to come from the cabinet table in Ottawa. No. And, and, you know, one of my, one of my concerns here is it's just pure lip service. And having, having talked to some of the experts lately, they say, listen, we, we can't build enough. And this is where the trades and the supply become a bigger issue. I mean, really, they should have put, you know, a new cabinet position together there to worry about more supply coming in and perhaps yeah, bring in the, the bricklayers, bring in the, uh, yeah, the trades. People, Look, yeah. We, we yeah. are in a, we are in a massive decline with the trades here in not just the GTA, but you know, Ontario and Canada. And so this is why, you know, a lot of people are pushing back saying, you know, we, we can't build enough properties because we don't have the trades to do it. So I think, I think that's going to be a huge problem. Um, Tim, one of the, th- one of the topics I want to talk to you about, and I'll get Greg to weigh in after investors with multiple homes are dominating the Toronto real estate market. You know, I, I just don't know exactly where they're using their measuring tape here, but they're, they're really implying that it's the people that with the multiple properties that are, are having an adverse effect here to the market. Well, I actually monitor the transactions that we're doing. Uh, we cross for, I mean, I personally cross reference names. I, I talk to our, to our realtors all the time to find out exactly um, if I, you know, if I'm seeing some multiple purchasing, are they infill, are they building, you know, what's going on? We have regular meetings. I just don't know where they got this information, this number, because I just don't see it. I, I mean, I don't, uh, we don't have this, this vast number of people buying multiple properties. I mean, we've talked in previous shows about big, you know, corporations trying to come in and, you know, and, and trying to buy, you know, a billion dollars worth of real estate across Canada over so many years. But as, as you know, zeroing in in the city of Toronto and looking at the type of buyers that are, you know, out there right now, I mean, I'm more into the story of, you know, people, you know, depending on parents to get into the market. I don't see the problem of people buying multiple properties. Well, you know, and back to the multiple properties for a second, you know, if somebody owns a cottage and then they own a house, is that deemed to be a multiple property? And, you know, we have to take a look at, you know, our overall structure here, and there's going to be some of those. And the idea that owning multiple properties, it's it's almost like, you know, it's that same narrative, Greg, you and I have talked about this in the past, um, you know, bad landlord, you know, greedy landlord. If somebody owns an investment property, they're, they're deemed to be greedy. They're just trying to, you know, take advantage of a tenancy. But, you know, we, we've got a looming problem coming that people just need to take, keep their eye on. We're going to have a rental problem that we just don't have enough properties. If we don't have the landlords, we're not going to have the properties. Yeah, it's hard to picture, and this is anecdotal because I do know a few people who have gone that route, right? I'm, I'm going to buy uh, an extra property, maybe an extra second property, become a landlord, but they rent them out. I mean, the entire plan of going into it wasn't to, I'm going to have a bunch of empty houses just sitting there that I paid a lot of money for and that I continue to pay money for on a monthly basis to make good on the mortgage obligation. I mean, and the whole idea is that they want to put people in there. So I think the, uh, the problem becomes if you indeed did have a lot of people buying up multiple properties is that somehow they had such deep pockets and such little business sense that they're just going to let them sit 
sit there empty and not collect any revenue off of it. I mean, an argument can be made as to whether you're actually connect, collecting enough rent on a monthly basis to cover your carrying costs. And I mean, this has been an issue for years, right? Because some people, and it's, it's hard pressed to call those people investors because you're probably not going into it for the right reason. But if it's getting rented out and we do need that rental supply, then that becomes something as well. And it, particularly if you're telling families, right? I mean, it's one thing to tell a young person getting started, okay, you're going to be a renter for a while. And you're going to rent like an apartment or half a house. Like I used to do. It's like, that's fine. I didn't have a family, just me and my, my wife. But when life changes and you're going to tell families to rent longer term, then you better start talking about more than one bedroom and a um, micro-sized kitchen, right? So there's, there's ways to start, I guess, sort of service the market if it's being done correctly. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, gentlemen, we're going to go to a quick break. But folks, when we come back, um, I'm going to have Tim Serianos and Greg Vanell with me. Uh, it is the Real Estate Talk Triangle. It's that time of month. And uh, we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, it is that time of month again. And it is the Real Estate Talk Triangle with my panelist, Greg Bennell from BM Bloomberg. He's an anchor. He focuses on the economy and the real estate world in Canada. Tim Serianos, broker owner of Remax Ultimate. And he's also the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board and director at Korea right now. And of course, their views are just their theirs and theirs alone and not their affiliations. Uh, just want to make sure I get that out there for you, gentlemen. I don't want to have it get anybody in trouble. But the big thing here, and um, speaking of in trouble, uh, a gay Toronto couple was reportedly told to get married or leave their condo by the management. Tim, I'm going to let you start on that one. Well, I mean, where do I start and where do I end with that? I mean, that's something that... Um, uh, is unheard of, in, you know, today, I guess the rules were somewhat archaic. Um, they wanted single family uh, residents um, that were in the property, but uh, I don't know how they define single family. I mean, there's common law, there's married couples, there's, I mean, it's not like they had a whole bunch of people living in the condo and they were actually subletting it or renting it out or doing anything unlawful. Uh, the idea and, you know, and the hope is that there was nothing to do um, with any other aspect of this, um, you know, as a headline, you know, is alluding to, but I mean, again, these are, these are rules that um, I haven't seen in a condo uh, in, in ever really. Um, I have seen some condos that had, uh, you know, some, some rules where they had to be seniors um, and that was actually removed uh, a long time ago. I think it was about 18 or 19 years ago, last time I saw that. So uh, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it's something that's unlawful, and I'm hoping that it, it was just a misunderstanding and, and corrected very quickly. You know, uh, just so you know, I am the president of 20 condominium boards through our uh, entire network at The Simple Investor. And I can tell you, that is so ludicrous to me, the fact that you could turn around and dictate that, you know, if they're common law couple, how do you not deem that to be still, uh, you know, a family? And this is this is where the interpretation, I think, is getting completely skewed. And Greg, you know, you can touch on that. But I mean, this is I mean, it comes right down to almost human rights here where you know they're going to have to go after this condominium board. There is no way they should be allowed to enforce this. Oh, most definitely. It just seems <laughs> completely ludicrous, as you said, off the headline and the details that we have right now that why would you take issue with this? on any level for the most part. And even as you said, right, uh, for the number of combos uh, of 20, wow. Yeah. I didn't know you were, you were that busy all the time apart from the show. But yeah, like this, this idea that as we move forward and we try to, as we change as a society, and I mean, if, if there is 
backward thinking behind this in any way it's like man catch up to the last half century what's been going on in the world uh and hopefully it's not that and it is a misunderstanding because we should be so far beyond that kind of thinking it's it's absolutely ridiculous to think that someone's minds might still be there but even that idea that as we try to tackle an affordability crisis a housing crisis that if you're going to start putting rules about you're too old or you're too young or you're not married enough and you're this or that 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 just seems like a lot more hurdles being thrown in the way at a time where we're trying to figure this thing out and, and put people into housing that they can afford well, you know, and it's interesting because the condo world is changing and the condominium authority of Ontario, you know, they're trying to enforce some certain rules and things like that. But, you know, looking at, and as a condominium director, you know, there are people that are always making suggestions to make it more difficult because they're, you know, we basically try to segregate people to the point where there was the concern that people are saying that to live in a condo, you have to be double vaccinated. Um, you you know, you can't smoke marijuana or any kind of medical marijuana. I mean, the condominiums have been under fire for the last several years as the world has changed. And unfortunately, I just I just don't see some of these boards being as flexible as they should be. Tim, I don't know if you've experienced some of these situations when you're selling, but to the point where, you know, I think that there's going to be people that are going to say, you don't want to buy a unit in that condominium because their rules and regulations are ludicrous. Most of the rules, even even the attempts during the pandemic, uh, have you know were were challenged and reversed. So um, many people, I mean, these boards, as you said, you know, they they're trying to uh, kind of overstep at times, and they shouldn't. Um, but I they they fail to realize that in many condominiums, there is a vast majority of condos which are already being used to rent. <laughs> they're not they're owned <laughs> by somebody, but they're actually rentals. So they're, they're trying to create some exclusive kind of ways of living, but yet they don't realize that what they're trying to do is just not possible, right? Um, that's, that's, we've seen it through the times where if you're not vaccinated, you can't come in and the people just walked right by them and it just continued on. People were able to sell their properties or rent their properties um, and do what they had to do. Well, part of the problem when we talk about rental properties like this, though, is the fact that the the owner of the condominium is the one that's responsible to follow the condominium rules and bylaws. Unfortunately, under the Landlord Tenant Act, some of it is not enforceable. So, you know, a tenant has certain rights, and then now you have to deal with the condominium owner. So it's almost like a, a, a conflict sometimes when we yeah. deal with these things. Now, Greg, I don't know if you've seen much of this, but I can tell you I have over the years where it's like, you know, there's a complete contradiction to it. It almost feels like, too, when you get to the board level and wanting to have levels of perhaps undue control. I mean, in most aspects of my life, and I would apply it to this as well, uh, the only thing that bugs me is noise. Other than that, you be you, man. Like, do do what you're going to do. <laughs> you do. Just you. don't bang on the walls at 3 o'clock in the morning when I'm trying to get some sleep or crank, crank music all the time. But other than that, I mean, people... It, it just seems strange, right? It seems like an overreach in terms of saying we want this, 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 and this, and you don't fit into our neat little box. It's like, why is this, why is this even coming up? I mean, as long as people are sort of living peacefully and respectfully of others, then hey, what, what, what is the problem? Well, one it's last interesting thing. because sorry, I wanted to share this. It's interesting because back before condos were a thing, they were called cooperatives, and in cooperatives, you had to be approved by the board to actually own a cooperative. <laughs> so it, we've come a long way. Yeah, and, and it feels like we're also stepping back a little. But uh, one last topic, of course, uh, adult kids on an average uh, costing their parents about 130 k to help buy homes. 
Tim, uh, are we are we seeing more parents jumping into the fold to help their kids? You know, we've had we have seen the gifting uh, from parents. Um, it's it's a reflection of just where the values of real estate are. Um, we were looking back. I read the report as well, and it was quite interesting. In 2015, it was about 20 percent of you know of Canadians received the gift, and now it's about 30. And if you're looking at the aging population, you're looking at the people who are coming into the housing market who want to you know own a home. And you're looking at the parents. I mean, it makes sense with the values of where they are um, in our in our market. You know, make no mistake, we are seeing gifting, and it's completely normal in my opinion. It's it's not a bad thing to do. Tax has been paid. It's it's an asset that the parents own, as long as they're not compromising their retirement years. And you know, things are um, uh, are thought through. Um, why not continue on? Well, kids better be careful what they wish for, because maybe mom and dad are going to come live with them, considering that they gave them the money. Greg, your last thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm thinking that's my future, right? <laughs> my wife and I are out for a while. Our firstborn is in university now. First year, of course, is another one, two years behind him. And I said to my wife on a walk a while ago, well, you know, at least after the university years, that's the big uh, expensive years, and then we're free. She's like, what about them getting married? I'm like, oh, God, yeah. What about them buying their first house? And I was helping them out. I'm like, oh, man. So, yeah, maybe I will be living with them. That's, I am just entering that universe now. But in the end, like, like Tim said, right, uh, where's, they're your children. You're going to help them. There's going to be tra- uh, transfers of wealth across generations. It's always happened. Uh, people who don't have a parent willing to give them, I can understand whether they're not happy about that, but it's sort of just the way the world is, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. Well, gentlemen, you pass, listen, your, you pass your wealth on to, your, to there, the next generation. There you go. Well, listen, great show this week. I appreciate you both joining me. Uh, wishing you guys and your families happy Halloween. And uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Always a pleasure. So that was Greg Benell, anchor at BM Bloomberg, Tim Sirianos, broker, owner of Remax Ultimate. Always great uh, to have them on, especially once a month. Sometimes they'll pop in and join me throughout the month. But, you know, great to have a recap. Glad to have their opinions because obviously, you know, they're very entrenched in the world of real estate and the financial market. So um, hopefully you enjoy that part of our show every single month. And uh, other than that, you know what? Here we go. It's a wrap. I just wonder if uh, if you're getting the the uh, Halloween pumpkin and candy ready, or are you not going to do it this year? So uh, I wish everybody a happy Halloween. Make sure it's safe. Uh, drivers out there, keep your eyes open. You know, we got young kids running around. Obviously, everybody wants to be safe and sound and get through this today. But uh, other than that, I just want to thank uh, Ian Grant, my producer. He does make it safe and sound for me to do this every single week, by the way. And uh, I want to thank you for uh, making us the number one real estate talk show. And, of course, I will be back next Sunday at noon as per usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.